Hello and welcome to the Smarkets Politics Podcast, Episode 5. My name is Dan Levy and I'm joined this week, of course, by Matthew Shaddock and as well by Patrick Flynn. Thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Um, it's been two weeks since our last episode and we're going to be looking back over the last fortnight, focusing on the first round of the Brazilian election and, of course, that second round of coming up at the end of October. We're also going to focus on Liz Truss and the start to her premiership and also as well looking ahead to the US midterm elections now under four weeks away. But we're going to start here domestically in the UK. And Patrick, I want you to give us an update on the betting markets over the last couple of weeks uh, when it comes to the new government. Yeah, well, things have gone from bad to worse for Truss. Um, there's now a 76% chance that she'll be gone as prime minister before the end of next year. And that's up remarkably more than 50 points since the mini budget. Um, on the Labour side, like Labour are going from strength to strength. Keir Starmer is now at an all-time high of 71% to be Prime Minister after the next election, and the chance of a Labour majority sits at 51%, which I think is probably the highest it's been for the best part of a decade. Um, I think it's probably hard to overstate just how bad the Conservative position is right now. Um People talk about how badly it's going, but is it a matter of time until she goes, Matthew, or do these things tend to turn around in the world of politics pretty quickly? Yeah, it's funny, Dan, because in these situations, I'm always looking, from a betting point of view, I'm always looking for some massive market overreaction to the latest news because people get carried away by what's happening. And if you, you like just, a bit of value, man. Well, exactly. I mean, if you listen to the radio or TV over the last 24 hours, you'd assume that Truss has got days, possibly weeks, before they're going to get rid of her. Well, funnily enough, I think this is an occasion where the market seems to be quite stable. And if anything's underreacted, I mean, the, the chances of her going before the end of this year, late status markets, are about 15%. Now, that is going up. It has gone up quite a bit over the last 24 hours. But that is way lower than you might imagine just looking at the news, right? And the, the, and the betting still gives her around a 30% chance of getting to the next general election as Tory leader. Okay. And um, speaking about that, you know, next election, we might, of course despite those sort of lowish numbers, have a leadership contest at some point. If she were to go, uh, Patrick, who do you think could replace her? Uh, well, I mean, you've got to look at the kind of process through which this would happen, right? Um, you, you think that if Trust were to be ousted in the next 12 months, that Tory MPs would want to make the kind of replacement process as low-key as possible. Um, if there's another like full-blown leadership contest, the public is going to see... Tory divisions on display again, and the government is not going to look in the best light to the public. Um, I think also there will be a section of MPs that don't want MP, uh, sorry, don't want members to decide the outcome again after they elected Truss. So, kind of these things combined lead me to believe that if Truss goes, the Tories will probably try and come behind some sort of unity leader to, if not win the next election, at least stem their losses. Um, so. This happened in, in 2003 when, when Michael Howard was elected unopposed after Ian Duncan Smith was ousted after just two years. Um, and yeah, give, given the state of the polls as well, I think the perceived electability of a potential leader will also play a big part in who they choose. Um, this is probably why Sunak is the favourite. Um, so he's already got the backing of around 40% of Tory MPs in the last, in the last leadership election. Um, I mean, he effectively won that section yeah, yeah, of the exactly. process. Um, and no doubt he'll feel vindicated by some of his economic warnings during the leadership contest. Um, Sunak does feel a little bit too short for me right now. What are the odds? Uh, about 4.7, I think, for him okay. to be next Tory leader. So, so that, kind of 20, low 20% yeah, chance. It's, it's, still, it's still quite short. Um, but just, just throwing a few names about, Michael Gove has been 
perhaps unsubtly, um, doing some broadcast appearances recently, suggesting that he kind of fancies his chances. So he's probably not a bad bet around 15 to be next next Tory leader. I've also heard Grant Shapp's name mentioned. He could be a bit of an outsider. Um, I did spot quite a decent bet at, at quite big odds, and that's Sajid Javid at 65. I can't remember if that was next Tory leader or next PM. Um, so obviously he's got he's got economics experience, having been Chancellor of the Exchequer temporarily. And he also seems to have dodged some of the kind of backstabber allegations that, that Sunak got, despite him resigning from the government on, on the same day as, as Sunak. Um, he, he's been mentioned by the spectator as a potential replacement when they've spoken to Tory MPs. Um, one more name is, is Ben Wallace, also probably a decent shout at, at 17. But the main issue there is that he didn't run in the recent leadership election. So the question is whether he's got you know, skeletons in the closet that yeah, he didn't want to... We never really got to the bottom yeah. of that, did we? Because he was essentially favourite when he withdrew. Yeah. He was, by some measures, the most popular member of the Cabinet. And yet, without any explanation, he's not standing for leader. Yeah. So that would worry me if I was going to bet him. I mean, a couple of other names... I mean, what I heard, this, it does seem to be moving towards an idea that they're going to try and find a way of installing a new leader without a member's elections. So they've got yeah. to find some consensus candidates. I did hear a suggestion this morning that... Penny Morden, PM, Sunak, Chancellor was going to be some ticket that might be able to command enough support. And that kind of makes sense because they yeah. were second and third in the leadership contest. And the one name that keeps getting mentioned, I keep hearing, is Kit Malthouse. I mean, this would be a real sort of designated yeah. survivor situation where somebody <laughs> nobody's ever heard of ends up becoming Prime Minister. I don't really know what his qualifications are other than perhaps he hasn't offended anybody in the past. But he's around 101 shot to be next PM and uh, I suppose I've seen worse bets. You like a hundred to one shot, of course. Absolutely. Matthew has a video online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, currently doing the rounds on our Twitter about hundred to one shots who could end I'm, up as US. I'm going to mention those later, Daniel. Good stuff. Okay, um, so Matthew, staying with you, you know, all this is in theory very, very good for Labour. Obviously, we're still a fair way out from the next general election, but well, presuming that it does happen in a kind of early 2025, but nonetheless, it looks like currently a Labour majority is odds on over 50% yeah. for the next GE. Um, would you back or would you lay that? Um, I think on balance there'd be a layer. If you force me to have a bet now and hold it until the general election, then I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be against the Labour majority if it's evens or slightly odds on. Because you think there's an overreaction, presumably, to what's going on. I just think there's a lot of time left, right? There's two years to get probably two years before we have another general election. Um, if the polls stay anywhere near what we're seeing at the moment, then trust isn't gonna be leader. The Tories are gonna have a new leader, which is well it's can hardly be any worse at the moment. So there'll be some recovery there, you'd imagine. Who knows what's going to happen with the economy? Who knows what's going to happen in Ukraine? Could be a positive outcome, could be terrible. Either way, that could have some unexpected um, impact on the UK political scene. Um, I mean, Labour need, just doing the maths, Labour need to be about 10 points ahead in GB opinion polls, probably, to win a majority, maybe not eight or nine, assuming they don't pick up too many SNP seats in Scotland. Right, they're 25 points ahead right now. So that doesn't seem too difficult. But uh, it's an unusual lead. I mean, it's, it's yes, pretty normal. Yes, it would be amazing if that if that, um, if it stayed at those kind of levels. I mean, I suppose the best historical hope for the Tories is the 1983 general election in 1982. Thatcher was, the Tory government was polling under 30%, came back to win a landslide. Um, I, I know what you're going to say, Dan, Falklands War, but not. there are some clever political science types who say that that really didn't have didn't make much difference. It was just economic improvement that turned things around. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to turn to the US now. Um, 
under four weeks to go. We kind of mentioned it uh, a, a moment ago in some of your, your picks, Matthew. Um, what are the markets currently saying about the situation in the US and the midterms coming up? So uh, on the Senate side, um, which seems the closest race, um, Democrats are still slight favourites as markets in any case, uh, 55, 45, that kind of percentage. Um, and to be clear, that we actually, our model actually has it as basically a 50-50 split that Vice President Harris kind of retains the controlling. controlling yeah, if, if each individual seat went the way of the betting, then we'd be in the same position we are now, 50-50 split, Democrats and Republicans with Vice President Harris having a... Um, casting votes. So, you know, it could all come down to a couple of very, very close um, seats. Uh, on the House side, Republicans still quite strong favourites, but by no means um, shut, cut and dried about that. 80% chance, something like that, the Republicans will take control of the House. That was supposedly moving, you know, still heavily in the Republicans' favour, but it was moving in the other direction and sort of starting to favour the Democrats a bit more. Maybe yeah, the last, ago, has that changed? the last few days, both Senate and House, the odds are slightly shifting towards the Republicans. I've seen some sort of smart commentators in betting commentators in the US saying that they think the Republicans will be favourites in the Senate uh, in the Senate quite soon. I mean, it, like I say, it does come down to a couple of very, very close races. OK. Um, and do you think that's correct, Patrick, of course? What do you, you know, sometimes the betting markets don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm probably more in line with my, my thoughts are probably more in line with with the, the markets than some of the other forecasters. So just for context, our, our market gives the Democrats a 54 percent chance of, of holding the Senate, whereas 538 is looking at 66 percent and the Economist is even higher at 81. Um, wow. I am a little bit concerned about some of the kind of pro-democratic bias in the polls over the last few cycles not not really being addressed. Um, while that doesn't usually matter on a national level, there is, there does seem to be a, a significant relationship between polling error at the statewide level from from one election to the next. Um, yeah, just, just to jump in there, that yeah. really does worry me as well. Because, it, I mean, I guess most people remember that Trump did a bit better than, the, well, quite a bit better than the polls yeah. in the 2020 presidential race. But the, the Senate races in that cycle, polls were horrific, yeah. you know, they, and they were almost all underestimating Republicans. I remember Kansas was going to be close. It wasn't. Maine, Susan Collins was going to be in trouble. She won easily. I remember losing some money back in the Democrats to win. Surely not. South, yeah, well, yeah, to win South Carolina to, to beat Lindsey Graham, and he won by absolutely miles. Um, now, you keep hoping that the pollsters are going to work out what went wrong here, and correct things. Um, but I couldn't be totally confident given the US pollsters record over recent years. Yeah, it it seems like in the UK when, when po the polls go wrong, there seems to be a lot more pressure on them to actually make changes, whereas in the US there doesn't really seem to be that Yeah, I, I don't know. It's something to do with the polling landscape in America, perhaps. You've got these kind of very different types of pollsters, some who seem very partisan, mm -hmm. and the partisan Republican ones keep getting it right because everyone else keeps underestimating the Republicans. So I don't know if it's something to do with the economic incentives of polling over there versus here. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, listen, we'll stay kind of international, as it were, and, and look to Brazil. Um, we, we do have a runoff. Uh, Lula did get kind of top the, the first round, but didn't get that 50% or over mark to, to mean that we don't need a runoff. So he's going to be going up against Jair Bolsonaro on the 30th of October. Um, this was another polling error, really, in many respects, because there was a sort of strong indication that Lula would would win this really comfortably, perhaps get over that 50%. And it was a lot closer than people thought. I know you watched this very closely, Patrick. Um, what is the situation now and have things moved? Because we, we kind of had going into it, Lula at around, I think, kind of 70-ish percent chance yeah. of winning. 
Um, has that changed at all? No, interestingly, interestingly, the market hasn't moved at all since the first round. Um, I mean, Lula just won't seem to budge from that 70% mark that he's been for the last last kind of month. Um, I know we've been tipping this, tipping Lula for <laughs> ages, but I did write an article, another article this week um, where I argued that Lula is still, is still very good value. Um, looking at historic runoff elections based on those first round results in the endorsements Lula has received from the eliminated candidates, I think he probably ought to be somewhere around the 1.2, 1.25 mark in the market. So that's around 80%. Um, and yeah, the markets have underestimated Lula from the beginning. Admittedly, the polls were, were off with Bolsonaro, but now we have those first round results. We don't need to kind of hmm. assess that polling error from the first round anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I'm actually quite surprised that Lula's price is what it is, even even after the result of the yeah. first round. That's a reaction to the you know yeah. sort of missed polling, as it were. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you, you almost don't have to pay any attention to polling anymore, right? Yeah, we just yeah. had eighty percent of Brazilians have turned out and voted. Um, and although Lula's lead at five percent sounds low, it's not really that low when you consider that ninety-one percent of the population voted for one of those two yeah. candidates. There aren't very many um, people who vote for eliminated candidates left to appeal to. And if the same people just turned up, I know they won't. And the only question was, how do the nine percent of people who didn't vote for one of the two candidates split? Well, I think I'm right in saying Bolsonaro would need to win ninety, eighty percent of those to overhaul. Lula's lead, which doesn't sound very plausible, even well, especially when you consider that uh, both those candidates essentially have endorsed Lula. So, if anything, you'd think Lula would win by further. So, um, although I uh, personally I feel slightly less confident about Lula than I did before the first round, I'm still sort of with Patrick. I'm about eighty percent confident he'll probably win. It seems like you're going to need a very, very big surprise to overturn that. Perhaps partly a function of the fact that it's an unusually long yeah. gap between yeah. the first and second round. Yeah, and there has been, I believe, there's been some sort of slightly better economic indicators coming out of Brazil to do with inflation and stuff. So at the same time, this is not the kind of election where many people are going to change their mind, given the sort of polarised nature of the candidates. All right. Well, listen, to close things out, we're going to do a new segment on the podcast. We're going to be uh, talking about putting your mouth where your money is, which basically means tell us (laughs) about the bets that you've actually been placing. Um, and, you know, Matthew, we, we, we'll come to you first. We talked about some of the value that you're looking for. Yeah, I won't bother you with my non-league football bets. Um, you can do, but maybe after. <laughs> but on politics, um, a couple of things. I mean, if you're watching this or listening to this before 10pm on Thursday, um, we markets always have a market on a local bar election every week. Now, the one, the ward that's up we've picked this week is called Tuffley, it's Gloucester City Council. Um, Tories hold it, Labour only nearly 6.5% swing. You'd think they'd win it easily. I've, yeah, I think you can back them at about 1.35 at the moment on markets, which I have done. Uh, but there's been a bit of money, weirdly, for the Lib Dems to come from nowhere and win this seat. They only got 6% last time round. On, on paper, it should be an easy Labour pickup, but there's something on the ground going on there which makes me think the Lib Dems probably have a shot at causing a surprise win, and they have done that a few times in these sorts of by-elections. Um, the main thing I've been looking at this week is the US presidential election, not the midterms trying to find a couple of big price winners there, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, and I've had a couple of bets on the Republican side. Glenn Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin Governor of Virginia. Uh, he's around 100 to 1 shot to win the presidency next time round. Um, uh, but the one I'm most keen on, I think, is Tim Scott, who's a senator, black Republican senator. Um, and I think the best bet there you can get is around 66 to 1 him to be the Republican nominee. Now, you, ha- you have to hope that something happens to Trump, God forbid, um, because he, these guys probably aren't going to run if Trump's on the starting line. 
but nonetheless, I think they're both worth a small nibble. Okay, how about you, Patrick? Where's your where's your money been? Yeah, I've been looking more more domestically. Um, so I backed Labour again to win the most votes at the next election at one point five two. Though I think it's a bit shorter now. Um, yeah, I, I feel far more confident backing backing Labour in the votes market due to the kind of built-in disadvantage that they have in the electoral system when it comes to seats. And to be honest, I think the markets kind of have this upside down because Labour is rated more likely to win the most seats than they are to win the most votes at the moment. Um, given Labour's position in Scotland and the overall kind of concentration of Labour's vote, I find it very difficult to believe that they could win the most seats while finishing behind in the popular vote. So I think Labour to win the most votes in the next election is still a good value. I've also backed the Democrats to hold the House at 5.3. Interesting. Um, despite being a bit more cautious about their chances in the Senate. Um, I think that's that's pretty good value as well. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much to Matthew Shaddock and, of course, to Patrick Flynn for joining me. Uh, we're going to be back next week. In the meantime, if you did enjoy this episode, please follow on whichever platform you're listening in or watching on. And, of course, give us a like too. Don't forget, you can also send in your questions to us. We love to get your questions. You can send them into our Smarkets Twitter account, which is just at Smarkets by DM or, of course, by an app message as well. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>